0: November 16th, 1871. The National Rifle Association receives its charter in New York as part of New York State's whoops program. Welcome to The Revisionist. I'm Brian Flynn. I'm Zach Powers. And we have a very, very special guest for y'all. The co-host, along with Julia Clare, of Reply Guys, which is just a tremendous podcast. Uh, Please welcome the very funny Kate Willett.
1: Thank you so much for having me.
0: Of course. Thank you for being here. Just so we get this out of the way up top, um, because you might have to head out early, uh, do you want to talk about Reply Guys real quick?
1: Yeah. So Reply Guys is a leftist feminist comedy podcast. I know leftist feminist is not really sound like it would be funny but we try to make it funny if possible um and yeah we tend to talk about like the news of the week and then we do a deep dive on larger issues um we uh do you know Things like we've had an expert come on and talk about Medicare for all. We've had um, the press secretary of the Bernie Sanders campaign. Um, We have had uh, someone just come on and sort of talk about how to organize a union in your workplace. So really anything related to politics from a leftist perspective and also just some straight up feminist stuff as well. Um, Yeah. And we try to make it funny and accessible.
0: You also just had a, a really good interview with Maria Bamford. That was a lot of fun.
1: I love Maria. Yeah. Sometimes we just interview comedians. We've interviewed a Parna on Um and yeah, we just try to feature you know not just a, not just women, but a lot of really funny and intelligent women we know, as well as guys we really love as well. Um, so yeah. Hell yeah.
0: Um, so listeners, if you're new to the show, this is a uh, a very special episode it's uh, our 100th episode um and so we're taking yep. a l- prepare to break.
2: be disappointed by <laughs> <laughs> the 100th episode inevitably disappointing
0: yep it's so much build up um, that's a
2: reflection on us and not our guest for <laughs> reference <laughs> we're perpetually disappointing the guests yeah, can only that's... do so much lifting I'll uh, try
1: my very, very best.
2: Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Um, it's like it's truly for the guests, like those stories about a mom who has to lift a car off of her crushed <laughs> child. That is that is the metaphorical equivalent of being a guest on this show.
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's not let's not play down expectations too much. Jesus, um, what we typically do uh, each episode, we take a topic from history. One person presents the uh, official version of events and another person comes up with a crazy batshit alternate history and the winner gets to become the truth going forward um we are taking a little break from our series our uh, annual halloween spooktacular series is this Uh, is
2: our halloween spooktacular not concluded it is fully november right
0: it is actually yeah no that was done um I'm also, listeners, sick, um, which um, would not be a revisionist 100th episode if I was not on some amount yeah, of dayquil.
2: Sick, roughly 78 percent of the time.
0: <laughs> it's true. I have uh, I have what doctors ca- call a uh, shitty body. Yeah. Um, that's always fighting me. Um, so we're taking we're talking about a very special topic this time. Uh. A topic I've been wanting to do since the show started, uh, and that's Emperor Norton, San Francisco legend, I guess, and the subject of one of my favorite one-off issues of Sandman. (laughs)
2: It's true. There you go. Also inspiration for, what, the character of King and Huckleberry Finn, I believe, right?
0: Yes. Um, Yeah, something like that. But Zach, you will be doing the uh, alternate history.
2: Uh, I certainly hope so, yes.
0: <laughs> Kate, you're actually from the San Francisco area, right? I remember you saying?
1: Well, I grew up in LA, but I lived in the Bay Area for 13 years. Okay. Abra Norton is definitely a character that is uh, uh, very present in the city of San Francisco.
0: Okay, because I was wondering about that. I didn't know how much he was, like, still sort of like a cult figure.
1: He is definitely still a cult figure.
0: Which is nice because he generally seems like an okay person
1: for the most part, Uh,
0: which is nice when that happens. And also very hard to talk about on the podcast a little (laughs) bit. Um, In
2: Denver, it was like Alfred Packer and I'm in Chicago and it's either a corrupt mayor or John Wayne Gacy. It's just (laughs) not generally not pleasant people.
1: Oh, I didn't realize that John Wayne Gacy was a Denver guy. Oh, no, no, no.
2: I'm in Chicago now. And John oh, Wayne, gotcha. Yeah.
1: I was like trying to imagine like a Denver version of John Wayne Gacy, just like a very outdoor John Wayne Gacy. Yeah,
0: yeah a flannel Wayne Gacy. Yeah,
1: Yeah. exactly.
0: <laughs> uh, um, I guess the Denver John Wayne Gacy might be, I don't know, Ted Bundy a little bit.
2: He was kind of a nomad, really. He had no yeah. home but, but murder, I guess. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Jesus. Uh, it's a little too poetic for Ted yeah. Bundy. But
2: Certainly, Ted Bundy is famous in Denver and Colorado for, I think, twice escaping for Colorado police. Like, yeah, once from in the mountains and once from Denver, he escaped completely and fled. So, good yeah. track record, uh, Denver PD.
0: I mean, that and for <laughs> other reasons, Denver PD should be ashamed of themselves. Joshua Abraham Norton was born in England. Uh, His parents were John Norton and Sarah Norden, who uh, they were a Jewish couple living in what is today just part of London. Uh, Depending on who you ask, he was either born in 1814, 1818, or 1819. 1818 seems to be the likeliest, but um, his headstone lists 1819. No one knows what the fuck. Regardless, when he was one or two or s- six years old, his family moved to South Africa. Those records are lost. Basically, we don't know a lot about him then. And it's not exactly known. Uh, again, revisionist theme. We don't know what the, fu- <laughs> what the fuck is happening with this. I mean, um,
2: anything that happened before... Roughly seventy years ago is about forty percent conjecture. <laughs> yes, it's not exactly known how
0: he arrived in San Francisco. The most popular story is that he arrived in 1849 aboard a uh, a ship called the Francesca with forty thousand dollars from his father's will that he later increased to two hundred fifty thousand dollars. Um, I I literally I wrote down through business. Just in parentheses.
1: Business.
0: Yeah, just general business. Um, in any case, he was in San Francisco by the late 1840s, became a respected member of society. Uh, he was a commodities trader, but then there's a uh, rice crisis. Um, uh, the
2: rices, of course. Yes.
0: <laughs> um, God damn it. Uh, that hurt a little bit. We, uh, have,
2: we have not addressed our pun board in probably 30 episodes, but it is still going. I oh, yeah. Think. No, it's yeah. The,
0: the one constant. Um, Kate, we,
2: we have to do this podcast until we have accumulated, I think it's 10,000 shitty puns, at which point we are freed and can quit. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and our spirits float up into the ether like yeah, the we weasels in al- we Roger Rabbit.
2: We also die at that <laughs> point. <period. laughs> <laughs> we made a deal with uh, a dark, uh, sort of a Pazuzu figure. <laughs> <laughs> oh, of course, of course, that
0: that reference. Um. Uh, so, Norton uh, heard that a uh, a ship was coming into harbor, uh, carrying rice from Peru, uh, and I guess like Paddingtons also. Um, sure. <laughs> uh. So since the price was skyrocketing because of the uh, rices, uh he bought all two hundred thousand pounds of rice for twenty five thousand dollars. Wow,
1: twenty wait, twenty how much rice for twenty five thousand dollars?
0: Uh, two hundred thousand pounds.
1: Oh, jeez.
0: Yeah, uh, I did the math for some reason, and that's twelve cents a pound of rice.
1: That is so much rice.
0: That's. What are you gonna do with that, honestly? Um,
1: I don't know. I mean, I just you know, really in this day and age, I cannot imagine consuming that many carbohydrates <laughs>
0: <No>. <laughs> To be fair. Also it probably isn't for one person also.
1: Fair enough.
2: Emperor yeah. Yeah. Norton had just signed up to be a college freshman for the next 400 years. so he was just preparing <laughs> for the inevitable. Um, so he bought a- wasn't th- around yet.
0: Yeah, um, uh, he figured he could corner the rice market, uh, but then after he paid $25,000 for it, a bunch of m- more rice ships from Peru showed up, um, which drove the price back down. Uh, Norton tried to sue the rice dudes, um, <laughs> and the case uh, eventually reached the California Supreme Court, eventually ruled against Norton. Um, his house was foreclosed on in order to pay his debts, and in 1858, he declared bankruptcy and began living in a working-class boarding house. Um, and this is when uh, he really becomes—it's the most famous phase of his career, I guess. Um on, it's a
2: loose term, I think.
0: Well, <laughs> it's what we'll go with. Um, it's what the day quill is driving me to say. Um, on September 17th, 1859, he sent letters to newspapers across San Francisco, where he declared himself, uh, Norton first Emperor of the United States. Um, he ordered representatives of the states to gather in San Francisco's music hall, uh, in order to draft new laws and a new constitution. Um, the letter was printed, uh, as a joke, basically, in the San Francisco daily evening bulletin. But all other papers ignored the decree. Uh, soon, soon after this, uh, Norton added uh, "protector of Mexico" to his what? title. Yes, uh, so there is a little bit of imperialism here. Uh, it would not be an American story uh, if, if not without that. Uh,
2: James Polk did it. Why can't Emperor Norton just decide? Hey, guess what? Mexico belongs to me now. <laughs>
0: Uh, we don't say it enough here. Fuck James K. Polk. Yeah. Um, can never say it enough.
2: History really uh, letting that president skate by, but he wasn't great.
0: <laughs> I mean, also this is a much lower level criticism. Uh, worst hair of any president by a mile. I don't. Know. Um, that, but I digress. Um, so. There's rampant uh, speculation as to uh, Norton's mental state, which is sort of problematic to do from a a present day angle, so I'm not going to do it. Um, Whether that's like that was the case or if he was simply fed up with the machinery of the nation. Um, In any case, he kept issuing declarations as emperor. Uh, On October 12th, 1859, he issued a decree abolishing the US Congress. Um, it reads, uh, in part, um, fraud and corruption prevent a fair and proper expression of the public voice. Uh, the open violation of the laws are constantly occurring. Uh, the, um, caused by mobs, parties, factions, and undue influence of political sex, uh, that the citizen has not that protection of person and property, which he is entitled. Woo! Eat the rich! Uh, sorry. My wife just came home and yelled, eat the rich. Uh, which is a great assist. Thank you, Jen Colic. Um,
2: I like uh, yeah. I mean, there's eat the rich, and then there's also like this is what the cartoon villain emperor in Star Wars does. Also, <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, that's about to um, we're about to hit that point. Um, since Congress did not disband themselves, um, he. Issued an order, uh, ordering the U.S. Army to uh, depose Congress uh, in 1869. He would go on to uh, abolish both the Republican and Democratic parties. Um, this one was this one I fuck with. Um, in December of that year, he ordered uh, Governor Wise of Virginia removed for uh, executing John Brown for conducting the raid on Harper's Ferry. Um, and appointed, uh, and Norton appointed future Vice President Breckenridge to replace him.
2: To be honest, he's kind of just like someone on this podcast who is writing the alternate history. that's little like bit, yeah. His personal life,
0: yeah, that's his whole thing. Um, he had other sorts of declarations. Uh, he made it a he made it a misdemeanor to use the word uh, Frisco, uh, with one warning. Uh, he forbade conflict between religions, ordered uh, the formation of a League of Nations. Um, One of his most famous decrees was to order the construction of a bridge between San Francisco and Oakland, um, which in 1936, the Bay Bridge opened. Uh, Just coincidentally, but that was like his thing. Um, So Norton would walk around in an elaborate blue and gold uniform, uh, which was a gift to him from the officers at the uh, Presidio. I can't. I believe that's how it's pronounced.
1: Yeah, uh, it's the Presidio.
0: Oh hell yeah, I got it. Um, I I made. I wrote down. He also had several elaborate hats. Without, I did not expand on that. Uh, I wrote this a few weeks ago, so I'm making discoveries all along the way. Um,
2: yeah, he was also, from what I understand friends with two dogs who were famous for catching rats named Bummer and Lazarus. Yes. Which is pretty dope.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Um, He would uh, walk around inspecting streetcars, sidewalks, other public facilities. Uh, He graded the appearance of the San Francisco police. Um, He issued his own money um, and he was able to actually like use his own money to buy food from local restaurants, um, which like the surviving bills are collector's items, I'm sure. Um, Half of
2: this story is actually the fact that like at least the San Francisco that existed in the 1800s basically just indulged this guy in his fantasies constantly.
0: Yeah, that's my favorite part of this whole thing, It's that it's this magical, like, San Francisco that existed probably up until Google
1: happened. Yeah, exactly. Well, I mean, San Francisco, no, I mean, San Francisco's always been, like, a boom and bust town, but, um, it, uh, I think, you know, definitely the dot-com, the first dot-com boom definitely changed some things in there.
0: Yeah. Sorry, the cat is climbing on me. Um... So, in the 1860s and 70s, um, anti-Chinese racism was widespread in the city, um, leading to occasional riots. Uh, Norton happened to be uh, on the scene for one of these, and uh, the, the story goes that he positioned himself in front of the Chinese uh, San Franciscans, uh, silently just keeping his head bound and like silently praying until, uh, the rioters dispersed without incident. Um, he was actually arrested in 1867 by a private security guard who planned to commit him involuntarily. Um, the, uh, there was outrage throughout the city, uh, an editorial in one newspaper wrote, uh, quote, he had shed no blood, robbed no one and despoiled no country, uh, which is more than could be said of his fellows in the emperor line. Um, the chief of police ordered him released and Norton pardoned the arresting officer. Uh, and from then on, all San Francisco police officers saluted Norton when he passed by.
2: Another like sort of San Francisco police story, going back to the two dogs that he palled around with. <laughs> One of the dogs, uh, I think it was Bummer maybe, was once kicked by a drunk and to prevent violence in San Francisco the police issued an immediate arrest warrant for the guy who had done it and brought him in because oh, they just had like this guy and these two dogs they were the celebrities of San Francisco at the time and this guy uh, fucked with the I guess the wrong rat <laughs> yeah dog. you fucked with
0: the wrong dog yeah uh, um in the 1870 census his occupation was listed as emperor um as uh, as his fame grew, rumors started to, like, swirl around him. Uh, my favorite one was that he was secretly engaged to Queen Victoria, uh, but he called it off due to the disruption that it would cause to world politics.
1: Oh, my gosh.
0: Yeah. That's my absolute... I, I like that it went so far as to make him the one who dumped her.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. He's just like, yeah, babe, I'm really sorry. I just, like, you know, I just need to be on my own.
0: It's not you, it's how Germany's going to react. Um, that old line. <laughs> Where the fuck? Uh, another said he was the secret child of Napoleon the uh, in hiding. Uh, he's believed by some people to be a very wealthy person, only feigning poverty. Um, of course, a lot of fraudulent decrees of his were published by... Editorial writers, uh, like, looking to advance their own agenda uh, under his banner. Um, Actually, the uh, San Francisco Museum and Historical Society, which was also uh, a big source for me in putting this together, they have a collection of those decrees believed to be authentic, uh, which is nice. Um, On January 8th, 1880, sorry, there was a cat asshole on my head. Um, okay. N- Norton was on his that way was to a... the ele-
2: events of those days, that day <laughs> in history.
0: Yep. Everyone had a cat asshole on their head. It was a uh, weird day.
2: We don't talk about it very much, but <laughs> the cat asshole pandemic oh, you, of your 1883.
0: Great, your great-grandparents didn't tell you where they were that day? Yeah. Um, he was on his way to a lecture at the Academy of Sciences when he... Uh, collapsed on the corner of California and DuPont, uh, now California and Grant. Uh, A police officer on the scene immediately called for a carriage to take him to the hospital, but Norton died before it arrived. Um, The next day, the San Francisco Morning Call wrote, uh, quote, On the reeking pavement in the darkness of a moonless night under the dripping rain, Norton I, by the grace of God, Emperor of the United States and Protector of Mexico, departed this life. There's a lot of, like... uh, The newspapers were really into this. Um, In the Chronicle, the headline for his funeral uh, was, The King is Dead, um, except in French, so I'm not going to try to pronounce it. Uh, In his pocket when he died was $5 in small change. Uh, A search of his boarding house found a single gold sovereign worth like $2 and 50 cents, um, a collection of hats, a stack of Imperial bonds that he would sell to tourists and, f- uh, fake telegrams from czar Alexander II congratulating him on his engagement to queen Victoria. Uh, his funeral was originally going to be a poppers funeral, simple, like redwood coffin. Um, however, an association stepped in and paid all the expenses um, and gave him like a a marked, a better marked grave and like a nicer casket, which is a weird flex. Um, on January 10th, 1880, uh, Norton was buried in the Masonic Cemetery at the city's expense. An estimated 10,000 people attended his funeral. Uh, the procession was two miles long.
1: Two miles. Oh, my gosh. He was like. That's he's like the most popular guy in San Francisco, which is hard because San Francisco is a lot of fun guys.
0: (laughs) Oh, yeah, you got so many fun. The only people I can think of in San Francisco right now are like tech dudes, though. So it's hard for me to be like, yeah, yeah. But this is actually also the part of the story that always gets me a little bit misty eyed. Just that whole image. Um, Norton has a pair of. Appeared as a character in the works of Mark Twain, um, like you said, Zach, Robert Louis Stevenson, and uh, Neil Gaiman, Sandman. In uh, 2013, the Emperor's Bridge campaign launched in order to uh, advance his legacy. Uh, They're leading an effort to rename the Bay Bridge the Emperor Norton Bridge, um, and they're hoping to uh, sponsor legislation in uh 2022 to do so uh on the 150th anniversary of his declaration that hey we should put a bridge here um to paraphrase
2: yeah his formal uh, declaration it was hey, it was a
0: better declaration than that yeah
2: we should put a bridge here <laughs> there's some water there's two pieces of land we got all the ingredients for a bridge <laughs>
0: Um And that's the uh, official history of Emperor Norton.
1: Damn, what a player.
0: <laughs> hey there, this is Brian reminding you that The Revisionist is supported by listeners just like you. You can make a pledge and get rewards like shirts and even the right to vote over at patreon.com slash the revisionists. Zach, whenever you're ready.
2: Yeah, so... It is true that the early part of Emperor Norton's life are not especially clear, not entirely sure where he comes from. He had a strange accent people couldn't quite place. It was It was not inheritance, but he did make a good deal of money while he lived in San Francisco. He worked for a local bank. He found a nice home in San Francisco, and he became a really beloved member of the community even before he announced himself emperor. Uh, shopkeepers would greet him. When he entered uh, like he was a beloved favorite customer of theirs uh, he helped young kids aged somewhere between 8 and 20 get through school uh, he found a girlfriend he found a close scoop of friends um,
1: wait so are you saying he was like an inspirational teacher like he just sort came of. in and he was like a real hard ass but he the kids loved him in the end and he taught them to believe in themselves he wasn't
2: really like a uh, that movie with the math teacher who teaches all of those kids to do math good. He was more like... Oh,
1: yeah. What's his name? Jaime Escalante or something? Something like that. I <laughs> wish I could remember the name of that
2: movie. But... Stand... Uh, wait, no. Not Stand, stand and, and deliver. deliver. I think that might be it. Stand yeah, and Deliver. Yeah, I think yeah, it is. Yeah. 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 Um, so... Uh, he, But he wasn't that. He mostly just like financially helped them and gave them very general life advice. Maybe helped them realize they were in love with people. Things like that. Um... <laughs> He found a girlfriend. He found a close group of friends, including a best friend. He allowed anyone to use his apartment, like, whenever they wanted, including, like, young kids who just wanted to get down and bone. They could come in whenever they wanted. Okay. (laughs) Um, He was a rising star at the bank. They put many of his ideas into practice, like, while he was there. Um, And he would finish his days by tossing the old pigskin with his friends. But, uh... His girlfriend started to become discontent with him.
1: I ar- I already don't believe this because no one in San Francisco plays football. I'm sorry.
2: <laughs> I think you'll find a, a few exceptions, famous exceptions, possibly. There's no
1: exceptions. None. I, Joe right. Montana. He, he didn't
2: play football. They just tossed it around playing catch, more or less. That's a more accurate assessment of what happened.
1: In San Francisco, we actually call it sports ball.
2: <laughs>
0: oh, of course. Of they- course.
1: They toss the old
2: and everyone
0: laughs. wryly at that.
2: Sometimes they would wear casual street clothes. Sometimes they would wear more formal attire. Things like that would happen. Um,
0: God damn it! I know where this is going now.
2: (laughs) So his girlfriend became discontent with him, uh, especially after he was passed up for for a promotion at his position at the bank, (laughs) and she decides to proposition a man who is clearly emphatically his best friend in the world. And ultimately he couldn't resist her charm uh, or her beautiful dresses or anything like that. And while navigating a world of drugs and cancer, alcohol abuse and strange mixed drinks, um, he became aware of this affair while also increasing facing false accusations from the girlfriend of abuse and lies about being pregnant. Um, Eventually, this girlfriend starts to tear him apart.
1: Wait, so why does this fake history take this weird, unfeminist turn? (laughs) Um,
0: Uh, I will say right off the bat, this is the plot of The Room.
1: (laughs)
2: Oh, yes. San Francisco story.
0: Because I was getting uncomfortable with that, too.
2: Classic classic tale of San Francisco. Um, Based on the true events. (laughs) Of the first part of Emperor Norton's life. Um, Tears him apart. Uh, He records everything uh, and finds proof. But rather than kill himself, uh, he realizes that uh, he has not been living a tragedy. He has been living in a comedy and that everyone, we are all clowns. Oh, God fucking damn it. (laughs) And while dancing on the stairs one day, he realizes the biggest clowns are the clowns in Washington D.C. Jesus fucking Christ! So he I'm, decides I'm
0: not recording
2: anymore. <laughs> he decides he's going to become an emperor to take down those clowns in D.C. Uh, and they say he was poor, but he also had a studio apartment in San Francisco, so he's probably worth about twenty million dollars. <laughs> um, he had a lot of affinity for dogs, dogs chasing cars. Uh, Things like that. There's a vague thematic connection between him and dogs. Um, So he takes on... Yeah, it's not really fleshed out. Yeah, it's kind of weird. It's just mentioned a few times, but, you know. So he takes on Bummer and Lazarus, his very well-named dogs. But he was also a smart guy. Uh, He knew uh, a lot of folks in San Francisco were struggling to find homes because they were extraordinarily expensive, or... The rich folks liked to pretend to be slightly poorer than they were. So um, he invests. See also Denver. See also Denver. So he begins to invest in the profitable field of yurts.
1: Oh, well, was he going to go to Burning Man? This is what people do when they live in San Francisco. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely.
2: He's He becomes uh, a yurt and uh, extravagant camping, uh, uh, you know, uh, monopoly owner.
1: Would you uh, even say glamping? Yeah, he was actually renamed the
2: <laughs> Glamperer Norton. Uh, Glamperer Norton. Uh, yeah. Uh, he made deals with tummy the, hurts. <laughs> he made deals with the forces of anarchy several times uh, to sow chaos and destroy the power that be in Washington, D.C. And uh, obviously made a lot of money off of his glamping empire. Um, but uh, eventually, uh, as one does, Uh, when Norton died, one of the, um, one of the gods of anarchy, uh, disguised as a force of anarchy in his life, his best friend, Mark, appears (laughs) to him and Norton makes him an offer. And he says, quote, um, what have I become, Mark, my best friend, everyone I know betray me in the end, but you can have it all. My empire of yurts. You will bring me around. You will make me Kurt. And if I could start Wait, again, what? a thousand miles away, I'll recreate we're myself. Gonna, we're just gonna. I will find a way. Past. Now, this deal was accepted by this god of chaos, and he was resurrected as a series of Kurt's. First, Kurt Vonnegut, and then, because Kurt Vonnegut knew time had no meaning, also Kurt Cobain. <laughs> And he currently lives as Kurt Connors, a.k.a. the Lizard, a.k.a. foe to the Amazing Um, Spider-Man. As for Bummer and Lazarus, they do go to heaven because they are good boys and they both defy their names in ironic ways by not coming back to life and not being a bummer because they go to heaven.
1: (laughs) A A beautiful, beautiful story. And that's the true story
2: of Emperor Norton, a.k.a. the Lizard. The From amazing Spider-Man spider man
0: So I guess if we accept the alternate history, we're accepting that Spider-Man exists. Well, yes,
2: you are inherently accepting that Spider-Man is real. Uh, yes, that is part of the deal.
0: <laughs> uh, Zach, thank you. Of course. Um, Kate, before you leave, real quick, uh, Reply Guys, again, um, it's on podcast services all over. And then... Uh, you're on Netflix on the uh, comedy lineup.
1: I'm on Netflix. I'm on YouTube. You know, wherever <laughs> wherever comedy is sold.
0: If she is coming to your town, check her out. She's hilarious. Um,
1: Thank you so much, you guys. You guys are the best. This was really fun.
2: Yay. Yeah, yeah, Thanks um, for listening to that absolute drivel I came up with. <laughs> no, it was
1: very funny. Yeah, the, uh, the
2: part about him becoming a glamping uh, emperor, I came up with when I woke up at 2 a.m. a couple nights ago. <laughs> I love it. Hello, everybody. I'm J.D. Lopez, the host of Left Hand Right Brain. It's a free-flowing, wide-ranging conversation that I have with artists doing interesting and creative things here in Denver and beyond. We talk about their personal stories break down their creative process and what motivates them. Spoiler alert, it's mostly spite. We talk about all these things and more while kicking back, cracking wise, and always having a good time. You can find old episodes and everything you need to know at lefthandrightbrainpod.com.
0: So, listeners, Kate had to step away. Um, but before we wrap up, I just want to say you can always leave us a comment or ask us a question at revisionistpodcast.com. I keep threatening to read letters it's just the timing
2: wait does itunes still have reviews does that thing still exist i know iTunes got revamped or shut down (laughs) or taken over by the mafia
0: yeah there's probably it's all three yeah apple podcast reviews are still a thing still very helpful um so you can do that on your podcast app
2: leave whatever review you want Make it five stars, but if the content of the review is you just saying that we're pieces of shit and you hate us, great. Do it. Cool.
0: Yeah, I don't need to read the review also. so like,
2: And, and you know what? We'll read the review live on the show.
0: <laughs> Honestly, if someone left that review, I'd be more likely to read it than like the positive reviews we have got.
2: Well, don't diss the people who did the service of no 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 positive reviews
0: i'm saying that that's my personality yeah (laughs) Um,
2: self-flagellating
0: yeah listeners let me tell you a little bit about catholic school uh you can also find us on social media uh facebook twitter instagram don't know how much longer we'll be on facebook because facebook is awful um they're they're really getting bad
2: fast huh they're getting worse
0: very quickly Like, for a while there, it was like a t- even toss-up between, like, Facebook or Twitter, like, worse. Yeah, and- Facebook's
2: really putting in the metal to, to, to jump ahead in that race.
0: <laughs> yeah, they, like, decided they're really invested in catering to the worst elements of society.
2: Yeah. Ch-ch-ch-ch. I just Sorry. saw an article today that they sometimes access your iPhone camera while you are browsing on there. Oh,
0: tight. Uh, Zach, did you want to plug anything?
2: Uh yeah, so uh, previous guest of the podcast has a Shannon Camp has a <laughs> thank uh, you <laughs> has a mysterious
0: little, previous guest of the podcast.
2: Yeah, uh, she has a, a Little Women audio drama podcast that's uh, coming out, sort of tied to the release of the upcoming Greta Gerwig series, in which I provide some voice acting. Uh, yeah, you can find it at. Little Women Podcast, Modern Audio Drama. It should be available wherever you get your podcast, Stitcher, iTunes, whatever app you use. So uh, check it out. It's got like a little light blue background with some objects on it. Feel free. Yeah, it's uh, available. Tight. <laughs> Every Monday, new episodes come out. Plus like historical episodes on, I, I want to say Wednesday the the the. Non-scripted historical episodes 1 come out. That
0: sounds right to me. Yeah. Um but it's a very very good show. As for me, listeners, I'll just I'll just mention um you can go to uh, westward.com, uh w e s t w o r d um and search for Brian Flynn.
2: Is O the one that's surprising?
0: <laughs> yes, because uh, yes. Um
2: yeah, I guess so. <laughs> um, for some reason, you know what the problem was? I was honestly thinking of the HBO show Westworld (laughs) and not the word Westward as in Westward ho.
0: Yes. And uh, go to westward.com and search for Brian Flynn and you can find my writings for uh, Denver's Alt Weekly, which I don't want to plug this one because I don't know if it will be out by the time this episode is out. But I've been doing some really fun stuff lately that will hopefully be up soon. Uh, So check it out uh westward.com but since uh there's no one to judge us but our but ourselves we're just gonna throw this one straight to the audience vote
2: yeah i guess i think nothing to be done but yeah just give us what you got
0: yeah Uh, (laughs) Uh,
2: for the hundredth episode your voice matters slightly more than usual
0: that's right. Um, it's just like a municipal election. It actually has more of an impact.
2: The the California vote that is the guest uh, is not counted for in this electoral college. Um, yes. I understand that individual people in California are counted for less, even though the state itself is worth more votes. Do not at me about the politics of the electoral college. I have read articles. <laughs> <laughs> I study under- political science, I get it. I know how it works.
0: We understand the Electoral College is crap. Yeah. So, if you take nothing else we from this episode. We are
2: saying that our voting mechanism is also crap.
0: <laughs> well, ours is direct popular. Well, no, we do have the superdelegate system. Yeah, no, syst- yeah. Um. Anyway, Jesus Christ. Uh, Eat the
1: rich! Eat
0: the rich! Uh, Jen Colick. Don't know if the mic picked that up. uh uh, but that'll do it for this episode uh zach thank you as always
2: yeah thank you uh here's to a hundred more i don't want to commit to that
0: (laughs) yeah that's a big ask up front Um, here's to three more let's let's start small here's to the rest of 2019
2: (laughs) folks audience we're in for another 3. We'll see where it goes from there.
0: <laughs> um but also audience, thank you for being here and for hopefully enjoying the show. We'll uh we'll see you next time. Yeah. Have a have a good time. Have a 100th time. What